It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to the first October edition of the PFF Forecast. Uh, I'm George. I'm going to have a bunch of guests on today. It's going to be um, Forecast 2.0, I guess. And um, we can't replace Eric with one person. So we've got a bunch of really great people uh, that will be joining the podcast. We're going to guess the lines. We're also going to talk about one thing that a bunch of really smart people learned today uh, in the NFL. There was some interesting stuff that, that happened. Uh, we're going to talk about it all. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. All right. Um, I've got some guests here uh, joined by some some fun people, some smart people. I've got PFF Brad, Brad Spielberger. I can't believe I said PFF Brad, but you have it written there. So I just read it. Um, Arjun Menon and Tej Seth are joining me um, and we're going to mix it up. We're going to do a bunch of different things on this podcast for the rest of the year just to try and see what creates the best football uh, conversation that we can possibly have. And I thought this was a great way to start it off, if you are not familiar with these guys' work, and I would imagine most members of the printing press are uh, because they are avid followers of smart Twitter uh, Twitter handles, and these guys all have them. But um, Brad has been with PFF now for a little while, actually, Brad, and, and he does a bunch of different things, both on the consumer side and on the enterprise side. He is noted for his cap understanding. Um, you can actually go find it on, on Amazon, uh, but also is an avid better and a bears fan. So we get to, we had Eric on the podcast before, and he would be gloating about the chiefs. We now have Brad and he'll just be crying about the bears. So it'd be great. Um, and then Arjun and Tej are both students at university of Michigan. Uh, Tej is a senior. Arjun is a junior. They have a podcast called take the points, which, um, is how I decided to bring them on the podcast. I listened to their podcast. I thought it was a great conversation. So I said, let's bring them on here and uh, get the printing press, their point of view. So fellas, welcome. We are going to start with um, what we learned today, week four takeaways. And Eric and I would kind of do something similar, um, but we're going to try and make this a little more data driven today because um, all these guys do a great job of using data to analyze the game of football. So let's start with this. Um, let's go to you, Brad, first. And um, hopefully this is not Bears related, but uh, give us your number one takeaway, big thing that you learned today. 
It's loosely Bears related, unfortunately. Um, oh, and it's no. not just week four, but I think it, it really sticks out in week four. Um, and that's that I think I was too low on some of the teams, namely the Seahawks and the Falcons, just on their offense and, and getting a a bad journeyman quarterback that maybe isn't a long-term solution, but is probably better right now than these rookies and sophomores. I say that because Trevor Lawrence was 11 for 23 with four lost fumbles. First time in a century a guy has lost four fumbles uh, and an interception. Justin Fields, 10 of 21, 163 yards, took six sacks, no touchdowns for the third week in a row. Zach Wilson did have a nice fourth quarter, but did not play well. Davis Mills also not great. So I think I need to, going forward maybe next season, give some more credence to some of those veterans that are, again, not good long-term solutions, but might actually win you some games, win you some bets early in the season. I guess we got kind of spoiled, right? Like... Um, you know, thinking back to the way that Mahomes, I think, and, and Allen, maybe to a slightly lesser degree, but definitely the way that Mahomes changed people's view on, on rookie quarterbacks. Um, and obviously, then you have Burrow, Herbert. Um, I, I don't know. Do you think it's actually going to sour the way teams kind of go into next year? Because I guess the the middling the middling quarterback, like an Andy Dalton, a Cooper Rush is a good example. Um, you can get them for kind of cheap, but like you don't really have hope in that case. So I guess what is it really worth? And you end up maybe performing well, but just well enough not to actually get a good quarterback lower in the draft. So I think that'd be interesting. Can definitely put you in purgatory for sure, which is not where you want to be. Yeah, I don't, they put you in purgatory or um, they don't get you across the, uh, the number that you need, which was Davis Mills for <laughs> me today. Um, let's go next. Tej, why don't you... Uh, why don't you let us out here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine is a little bit similar to Brad's, um, but I'm kind of going in the other direction too. And it's the good teams aren't as good as usual and the bad teams aren't as bad as they usually are. <laughs> so, you know, if you start with like the good teams, uh, the Bills offense looked unstoppable through the first two weeks, but they've had some moments these last two games where they actually look like they can be beat. And, you know, today they, they're going up against a pretty bad defense in the Ravens and didn't put up as many points as you'd expect from like a very top tier uh, offense. And then, you know, you have the Eagles, uh, who, who's a lot of people think is the best team in the NFC. And they went down early against the Jaguars. Uh, Hertz was reverting back to a lot of his 2021 self, where once there was pressure on him from the Jaguars defensive line, he was kind of like a one and done quarterback where he'd look at his first read and then get out of the pocket. And that, you know, was problematic until it kind of settled down in the second half for them. The Packers uh, offense ranked 17th in expected points added per play right now. And they went into overtime versus a team that's now one and three playing a third string quarterback. And then, uh, you know, the Chargers and Ravens because of a combination of injuries and then just not being as good as we thought are kind of like why I think like the, the really te- the really good teams right now that are usually elite are a little bit closer to like the middle tier teams than in usual seasons. I was actually thinking about making that um, mine, uh, my big takeaway as well, because it definitely feels the two, I guess, teams at the top. Now, I'll ask you this question, actually. Who would you put if you were kind of ranking the top, let's say top five? What does that look like for you? What's your top tier? Mm -hmm. Yeah, top tier is Chiefs, Bills, uh, and Eagles. I think I'd I'd throw into tier one as well. And then you kind of have, the Ravens, and then whoever you want to choose between uh, Packers and Chargers in in the second tier. Yeah, so I guess you think back to, let's just think back to like last year, maybe, 
or the year before those those teams at the top i guess you'd say the chiefs you would you say the chiefs are are better or worse than they were last year bills better or worse than they were last year obviously eagles are better but like are you kind of saying that you think those teams are actually worse than they were a, a year ago yeah i do think so because the chiefs margin for error is smaller than it was uh last year you know that's why they end up losing to a pretty bad colts team last week um just because you know they did a lot. They should have won the game, but they did a lot of things that uh, let the Colts stick around. And like they didn't have like the explosive passing game to kind of like blow that game up. So the Chiefs are still a really good team. They're just not as good as they were last year. And I, I feel that way about the Bills, uh, too, after after the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they kind of needed it. They got a little lucky at the end of that game. We might talk about that one here in a second. Um, Arjun, let's go to you. Yeah, I think. So my big takeaway is I'm, I'm actually I think um, winning in the trenches, it, it matters more than it used to than matter uh, winning in coverage. So I think trench play has become more important this year. Um, so Michael Lopez, who's the director of analytics for the NFL, um, you know, he was doing a, a study on you know coverages and, and scoring for the from the first couple of weeks of the year. So teams have been playing more cover two and less cover one. So what a lot of the things we've done in um, from this past summer as interns under in the, in the R&D department is like when you play man, you kind of know what the outcome is going to be because it, it's kind of just talent dependent. Um, if you have better corners, you're mo- more likely to win in man versus, you know, if you have better receivers, you're more likely to win on offense. But in zone, like when teams are playing more cover two and more cover four and more quarters and cover six, I think it muddies the, the skill gap a little bit. So you need to have a good trench uh, advantage because you need to be able to run the ball. I think, I think running the ball is especially important for teams that aren't able to pass, especially in a singular game. And I was looking through the slate today and I found three games where the winners had a higher expected points added per rush than they did EPA per pass. So the Raiders average 0.09 EPA per rush versus a zero EPA per pass. The Eagles score 29 points um, averaging a 0.12 EPA per rush versus a negative 0.26 EPA per pass. And the Falcons average 0.22 EPA per rush versus a negative 0.2 EPA per pass. So all these three teams won because they dominated in the trenches when they couldn't get anything going through the air. And I think once we see, once we hit the playoffs and team starts, um, teams start to play more zone and less man. I think we're going to see the run game become more and more important. So winning in the trenches on both sides of the ball is important. And I think it becomes more important, especially when you start handicapping games um, where the talent level is pretty equal between, between teams. I can't believe it takes, it takes one week. Eric, Eric is off. And in one week we have the restoration of the run game uh, come to this podcast. That's all it took. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I think your point and, and Tasia's point go sort of hand in hand. You look at kind of teams maybe being more clumped together and when they, why are they more clumped together? I guess my take would be, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the different defenses being played, but I also think just quarterback play has not been as good. Mm-hmm. And generally the, you know, the biggest determinant of, of a spread in the NFL is obviously the quarterback. So it, it kind of makes sense that with the quarterbacks playing not as well and the, the talent level being a little more even, you now have different things that are going to be a little bit more important. Um, and so that that's, I mean, it's, it's definitely really interesting. I guess, how do you see that? 
playing out from a handicapping perspective? Like as you look at this upcoming week, as you look at maybe down the road, um, like, I, I don't know, do you have a heuristic for kind of the way that you might take those things into account? Yeah. So last Sunday, you know, when I was listening to uh, you and Eric, um, I I love the Browns versus the Falcons. Like I thought the Browns, like it was like minus two. I thought that was a, a good bet. It moved down to minus one and I was like, it's just still a good bet. But then I got the clowny news and then the Miles Garrett news. So now the Browns have a disadvantage on the defensive side of the ball in the trenches. So that immediately shifted my thinking where I knew Atlanta was going to be able to do whatever they wanted up front. So even though my conviction on the Browns at the time where everyone was healthy was strong because I felt they would have the advantage on both sides of the ball, once they lost the two guys that can stop the run and get after the passer, you saw a Falcons offense that methodically pretty much marched the ball down the field in the final two drives simply by running the ball. So I think that is an example of like how that would play into a handicap. Another one would be the Cowboys versus the Commanders. I mean, Cowboys minus three, um, I believe at home. And and so the, the thing with that is the Cowboys D-line is so good. Dorrance Armstrong, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Dante Fowler. And while the Commanders offensive line isn't bad, the Cowboys D is suited to stop the run well and stop the pass well because of all the stunts and things that Dan Quinn calls. So I think there's where you could take, uh, you know, um, a bet on the Cowboys where, you know, they have the advantage up front on both sides of the ball. And I think you would look to, you know, Carson Wentz only had a 2.42 average time to throw because Ron Rivera knew the, the Cowboys were going to get after them. So once the commanders went down, uh, they couldn't get the, they couldn't get back in the game because they couldn't call those deeper developing dropbacks. So I know that was a long answer and I know like there's other possibilities with this, you know, you can live bet, Cowboys when you know the commanders can't drop back as well so there's there's endless possibilities I think with understanding trench warfare and you know who has the advantage on both sides of the ball it was it's interesting because it's one of the things that um like we do at PFF I think remarkably well right is actually measure offensive line and defensive line play um and it's something where you can kind of rather quickly sort of pick out rather big mismatches as well, right? And you can sort of see like areas where one team might be able to dominate over the other. Another interesting component of that is, is injuries. You know, continuity on the offensive line is something that um, we've studied and Eric has written about um, how important continuity is. And you can start to take advantage of those things. I do think, to be honest with you, it can be a little boring when like the only thing that matters is the quarterback. So um, it leads nicely into the thing that I learned today which is that the Denver Broncos suck. <laughs> this is what I learned today. Okay. The Denver Broncos stink. I tried to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt. I tried to give Nathaniel Hackett the benefit of the doubt. I tried to give Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's bad when the Atlanta Falcons are the safe part of your lock of the week. Okay. We had Atlanta plus seven and a half Denver plus eight and a half. And you would have said, man, there's no way that the Denver Broncos with a $245 million quarterback defense that is playing really well are going to get blown out by the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders had allowed the third worst EPA per pass play through three weeks against the vaunted Denver Broncos offense. They managed to have a negative EPA per pass play. 
this week against the Denver Broncos. Embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. They do not. The Seattle Seahawks, I get that they played the the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are not even in existence on defense. But (laughs) the Seattle Seahawks offense is more cohesive, more coherent, and looks better, has better tempo with Geno freaking Smith and nowhere near the same level of talent than the Denver Broncos look. And so I know four weeks is not a lot of time. I know they didn't play in the preseason, but it does not look good in in Denver. And you saw the Chiefs tonight. The Chiefs look amazing. You know, obviously Justin Herbert is really good. Um, I think you can sort of kiss the playoffs goodbye if you're the Denver Broncos at this point. Um, and, and that's what I learned this week. So I'll ask you guys, are you out on Denver? I'll jump in. Yes, 100%. I also tried to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think even <laughs> Vegas turned pretty quickly when they were home dogs to San Francisco uh, in week three. Like, I think that was them telling you what they thought. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just not a good football team. Randy Gregory got hurt in this game. Javante Williams got hurt in this game. So it's, they were actually one of the healthier teams coming into this game um, outside of the receiver injuries, of course. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm out on the Broncos. I mean, I'm out on the Raiders too, but <laughs> definitely out on the Broncos. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's because, you know, when when uh, Matt LaFleur went to Green Bay and was working with Aaron Rodgers for the first year, their offense wasn't that good. Their passing mm-hmm. game wasn't that good. And the second year, you know, Rodgers comes out, wins MVP. And, you know, Hackett is not Matt LaFleur and Russell Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers. Right? They're both they're both worse than uh, than their counterparts in Green Bay. So that's why you're seeing a lot worse of that version of, you know, a new quarterback trying to learn that type of offense in Denver right now. And I think it's just hilarious that Geno Smith ranks fifth in EPA per play. Russell Wilson ranks 16th in EPA per play. Uh, Russell Wilson also has a lower EPA per play since uh, the 2021 season than Teddy Bridgewater. So both the guy that he's replacing and his replacement in Seattle, he's been, he's, he's been less efficient than both, both of them. Yeah, I, I am out on this, uh, on the Broncos also, oh, but no. I do think, I do think, um, the result was a little bit misleading today. I feel like that Melvin Gordon fumble kind of changed the whole game. It was 10, 10 Broncos were driving. Um, and, and they had, they had scored in in their previous two possessions. So I think they were in a, in a good rhythm. Then Melvin Gordon just fumbles it. Like he has been all season, 66 yards to the house. And even though the Broncos came back and tied it up, I think you want to, you want to force Derek Carr to be playing from behind where he's in, um, obvious passing situations, especially because the Raiders offensive line is garbage. So I think it was a tough way for that game to swing. You know, I'm curious. I'd have to look at like what the win probability swing on that fumble was. But yeah, it's it's tough when you have a quarterback that looks not that good, not playing at an elite and at an elite level and is getting paid like an elite quarterback. And the coaching hasn't been up there yet, you know, especially with how much um, positive things were coming out of Broncos camp on the offseason. Yeah, Vikings fans know what that's like. And Kirk Cousins at least plays at a league average level. Um, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. It, you watch that offense. I thought it was, I mean, the fumble is obviously really bad. It got taken back to the house by Rob Robertson there. But the end of the game, you're throwing kind of your Hail, Hail Mary blast-ditch effort to a third-string running back and he drops it you know it's like you deserve (laughs) you deserve everything you get there um i want to bring up one more thing before um i let you guys go and this was the uh john harbaugh decision 
at the end of the the Buffalo Bills game because I runner up to the thing that I learned today is the um the fact that we still have not learned anything about I guess using math to analyze fourth down situations I, I heard multiple times on different um whether it's halftime shows or or um post-game shows where it's like well John Harbaugh didn't trust his defense you know he didn't trust his defense there so he had to go for it to rewind it was fourth and two uh on the two yard line game tied at 20 uh 415 left uh in the game so still a decent a lot of time left in that game I think that needs to be considered uh certainly here and Harbaugh decides to go for it Calls a pass play. Lamar Jackson basically drops back like 25 yards because he's immediately under pressure and then heaves one in the end zone and it gets intercepted. Buffalo takes the ball, drives it all the way down the field, runs the clock out, wins the game. And, you know, the the math here I think is pretty, pretty solid. You can go check out Ben Baldwin's fourth down bot uh, that tweets out every single fourth down decision. It's at Ben underscore bot underscore Baldwin. Um, but essentially it was, you know, pretty decisive in terms of going for it here and i thought harbaugh did a really nice job of explaining the 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 reasoning here if you kick the field goal then the other team knows they have to score three they're going to use all four downs they have josh allen what are the chances the baltimore ravens who i think you you mentioned tage their defense is atrocious what are the chances they're stopping them it's you know not high so you go for the seven, you try and get the seven, and then the worst that can happen is obviously the other team ties the game. And if you happen to not get it, well, at least they're backed up on the two-yard line. So the way that I actually want to criticize this is I don't think that it had nothing to do with the decision. The decision was right. But if you have Lamar Jackson at the two-yard line, why are you not running the ball with Lamar Jackson? Like To me, that was the part that, that kind of blew my mind. But I don't know. You guys saw that play. Um, you guys saw that decision. Were there any things that you guys learned from that or, or takeaways that you guys had from that? Yeah, I thought, you know, it was it, like the worst possible outcome that could have happened was Lamar throwing the interception that would happen, you know, on two or 3% of plays in, in that situation. And yeah, I was with you on the play call. I thought it should have been some type of run either by Lamar or him handing it off because of like, you know, the effect that he has on uh, opposing defenses, even when he's not rushing himself, but it was, if you miss it and the bills get the ball at, you know, the, the two yard line there anyways, then there's a much higher chance you're going to force them to punt because of how limited their playbook is. So just like, it was really unlucky for John Harbaugh, I think for, you know, an interception that led to a touchback uh, that put the ball at the 20 yard line, ending up being the outcome for the the Ravens there. And that kind of, you know, ended the game and, and gave the bills like the right field position to go down and score. Yeah. You know, me and Tage kind of think in a very similar way. I think, like you said, the the actual outcome of the, of the play was probably like a left tail end outcome where just mm-hmm. bad variance, you know, and they the the Bills gained 18 yards from that. But I, I think I do agree with the decision to go for it. The, the Ravens have been driving for nine minutes, so it's more than likely that the Bills' defense was going to be pretty tired, especially just after three goal line plays. So going for it was the right decision. Obviously, I think it's more important to evaluate the process and the results. And, you know, as smart as the Ravens are, I think the one constant um, uh, criticism from that organization has kind of been Greg Roman. So, you know, the the play call wasn't obviously optimal. You don't really want to be throwing there, especially against a pretty good pass defense like the Bills. But um, again, I think the process was right. And 
Uh, again, it's just un very unlucky result, but it, it kind of just shows how how the Ravens think. And, you know, in most cases, it will lead to a positive outcome than a negative outcome in the long run. Brad, are we ever going to get to a point? What year is it when, like, you don't immediately turn on a, a post-game show and you have, you know, 80-year-olds on the show criticizing coaches doing the smart mathematical decision? Or is that ever going to happen, do you think? It probably isn't ever going to happen, but I also think these two guys nailed it where it's viewed as such a binary thing of touchdown or not. And like like Arjun said, it was literally one of the worst possible outcomes to where part of the factor, your factor in the decision making is if we don't convert, they might have first and 10 at the two yard line. That's a big part of the decision. But of course, that you know, no one thinks about that or talks through that. You just get this binary. Did they score? Did they not score? I will say to play devil's advocate, I suppose a little bit just because of weather. Um, it was pretty crappy weather. The wind was not solid. That's why it was a 2020 game that late in the game. That maybe would have swayed me a little bit. But but the thing about Harbaugh is when he goes up there and gives a cogent explanation for why he thought through his process, that's why I'm comfortable with it every time because you actually know he knows why he's doing what he's doing and what he's doing. And that I think you have to always trust the process over the result. Yeah, it's kind of like the opposite of the Lions where uh, they just have vibes. It's The Lions are all vibes. It's absolutely hilarious. They, they've what? They've scored the most points. I think they're leading the league in points per game right now. They're one in three, kind of exactly what we talked about uh, earlier with Josh Hermsmeyer around the Dan Campbell effect. But um, really good point. You guys, I really appreciate jumping on the podcast. We'll have you on again soon. Um, you guys can check. Uh, members of the printing press can go check your guys' content out both on pff.com and the PFF app, as well as on Twitter. Um, some of the best data viz and data analysis that you'll find out there. So go check um, both these guys out, and uh, we will see you all later on at some point uh, on the podcast. We're going to do a little guest lines here. Uh, before I do, I'll remind you that you can go download the PFF app right now on the iOS app store. Go type in PFF in the search bar and then download it and leave us a little review. I don't have any good ones uh, from this past week. Um, so maybe I need to go into the archives and find find a few. But hashtag printing press, five-star review. And if you have any good takes, I will read them here live on the podcast. Go download it. You'll get all of PFF's written analysis, our betting dashboards, and fantasy football rankings um live in the palm of your hand at the tap of a button so go download it right now and uh enjoy all right bringing on now ben brown if you don't know ben brown members of the printing press may not be super familiar with ben's work you you're missing out but you also already are because he is a big part of what pff's um, betting models um say and obviously eric and i reference those all the time here um, it's, uh, you know, on pff.com with PFF Greenline on the PFF app as well. So Ben, it's great to have you on here. We did, we used to do the, um, the NFL daily or betting podcast, right. With PFF. I want to say it was on Saturdays that we used it was, to do Saturday nights. It was right? Saturday nights. Saturdays yeah. for the boys. Yeah, I know it was, uh, it was obviously a really good time. I know we've, uh, you know, gone back and forth on a lot of betting, uh, content behind the scenes. I do think. Um, I did do one one guest spot this last year uh, on the forecast That's right. actually as well. I did make my appearance, so I uh, got to be somewhat familiar. But yeah, there was a lot of uh, you know locks of the week and stuff that I think were at least 
at least ran by me, I would say, to mm-hmm. the point where it's like, hey, do you do you like this play as well or not? So I think, you know, at least from that perspective, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, filter as well to, before the people really got the goods. So, uh, I, but I'm definitely obviously excited to be here. Love the forecast. Check it out, you know, twice weekly still. And I'm, you know, obviously going to be a loyal subscriber and listener, uh, you know, as we continue forward here. So thanks for having me on. An esteemed member of the press. Steve. Is, is I feel like if there's like, I know like there was like the presidential status and maybe mm-hmm. Eric was like vice president. I had to be like right under there, right? Or something. Yeah, you were so a diamond like, medallion member. Right, right. Yeah, you, get, you get access to the to the club when um, when you go to the airport. Um, ben, for anyone out there that is um, listening to Ben for the first time, is also a, um, let's just say a degenerate of the highest order. And when the I say highest that, story. yeah, I mean that <laughs> this guy is betting like player props in college football at a level that you're just not going to find out there. So Friday if you're nights. looking for action, yeah, Ben Brown has you covered. I um, always have action. The, the, the days right now, Tuesday, Wednesday are a little bit tough, but uh, I would say that if you thought Eric Eager was a DJ, then yeah. Uh, Come on over to the dark side. I'm yeah, you have no, <laughs> you have no idea. And rocking a Lululemon hat, I might add right. today. Like you, you came, you brought, you really brought some freshness here. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a hat by a company called Fori, Fori, which is like a Lululemon like knockoff, basically. Okay, I'm, I was, I was down in those streets a little bit doing yeah. my research because I'm not honestly like. I have a, a very good woman, I would say, as my wife, and she does so much for me. And she does do a lot of my shopping and stuff because I'm just not the I'm, – I'm too busy DJing on stuff to actually be able to, like, go to the mall or something like that. So all my clothes are just, like, uh, picked up from her. But I did come across this this Bori company as well yeah. and research as well. So. It's good. I, I'm not – I mean, we do recommendations on this podcast. I'll go ahead and throw out a recommendation here. I like it. It's, like – basically Lululemon, but for, for guys, that's the whole premise of the company. Right. Um, and it, which means that it's still expensive as shit. Right. <laughs> so uh, that's not a good thing, but let's guess some lines here. So we are obviously Eric and I used to do this every single podcast on Sunday nights. We're going to keep, um, keep doing this. We're going to add a little bit of structure here. Um, we're going to track these. We'll share um, this with the, with the printing press at some point, we can figure out how to make sure we can, uh, we can lock it down, but we're going to track these. We're going to then also say whether we would bet on, uh, the game. So obviously if our line is different than what the actual line is, you have an hypothesis that's a little different than the market. Would you actually place that bet, right? Sometimes you might be, you might say, Oh, well the market, I think this makes sense. I'm actually not going to bet this right now, but, um, our goal is to provide value Uh, like this number app and uh, I'm going to go ahead and bet it now get some of that closing line value. Of course, we'll write up our favorites and that'll be live on pff.com in the PFF app tomorrow morning. So Thursday night, we have Indianapolis and Denver, two of the most uh, despicable, disappointing teams on planet earth. And all these lines are going to be uh, courtesy of our friends over at BetMGM. So if you're following along and looking for where you can bet on these lines, that's where we had some feedback where it was like, Hey, I never know where the hell to get these lines. Well, now, you know, um, let's go. Uh, let's go in this order here. Let's go Brad, Ben, and then I'll close it out. Brad, would you have this game at? Yeah, right after we all declare the Broncos are dead, uh, the Colts might be even more dead. I had Broncos laying a field goal at home in the altitude. Ben, what about you? I, yeah, I I love the Broncos discussion earlier. I just have to throw that out there as well. <laughs> um, but I would say, I want to say, uh, I would say Titans minus 1.5. 
Sorry, say that again. I want Titans minus 1.5, basically. So it's Colts Broncos. Oh my God, what is happening right now? I'm looking at the wrong game already. Oh, I, okay. So I was looking at the Titans game basically uh, today. I'm already screwing up the lines, guys. I'm sorry. I was looking at the Titans Colts game because I did bet the Titans today. Colts Broncos. Um, sorry, it was. By the way, as you're as you're finding that Titans Colts was one of the. Um, one of the games I felt best about is something the green right. line really liked Titans plus three and a half ended up being, a, I think it was one of the five consensus picks in, in the circa millions contest. Um, most, most uh, picked game this week, I think was the only game that uh, had over 2000 um, selections. Only side that had over 2000 selections so far this year was Vikings uh, minus two and a half. Obviously that got out to four because of all the injuries and that one just barely, I don't think the Vikings, one of the things I'm going to talk about here in a second is I don't think the Vikings deserve uh, to cover that game. Right. Um, okay, uh, Ben, did you find it? What did you have this line at? Yeah, I, so I have, I have, uh, I like the Broncos minus 3.5. Okay, minus three and a half. I have Broncos um, by a field goal here. I, my, I, you know, I kind of initially had it 3.5, three and a half, and then I watched more of the Broncos game and I was like, they stink. They're awful. So it doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel right. Um, on BetMGM, this is three. It's minus one ten both sides. Ben, you're the only person that was different here. Are you uh, Are you going to take take the Broncos? I mean, after your guys' discussion on <laughs> uh, a little bit earlier. So I honestly, I will be you know completely transparent. I I did lose more money on it. On the Broncos, or I lost more money on the Broncos today than any other team. So I feel like I almost have to go back to the well here. Mm. Uh, I would take, I would bet the Broncos minus three one last time. I'm Ryan or died with Russell Wilson. I'll take it. So, that's, that's I love pain. I mean, I don't know what to you tell said you. Ride guys. or die. So. <laughs> oh, probably man. die. Probably die. So yeah. Well, uh, he wants you to ride, um, <laughs> but uh, so far it's been more more death than than otherwise. Um, all righty. Uh, New York Giants, um, who pulled off an amazing, uh, just scintillating victory over Brad's Bears, are going to Green Bay to play Packers. This one was fast. It is a fascinating game, but like both the wins by these teams today felt, let's just not, let's just say, not exactly amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, let's go, let's go, um, let's keep that same order Brad, Ben, and then myself. Yeah, so the three and one Giants have the most penalties in the NFL, third most drops. They have the 22nd offensive success rate, and they've allowed the fifth highest pressure percentage on Daniel Jones slash Tyrod Taylor slash Wildcat quarterback Saquon Barkley. Um, so even as uninspiring as the Packers were, I had Green Bay laying eight at home. All righty, that is <laughs> that seems fair. Uh, ben, what about you? I'm going Packers minus six point five. Uh, okay. I think it's a pretty decent line. And I, 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 yeah, I'll I'll say later what side I would bet on that one if I actually okay. get the option. But okay, um, I have uh, the Packers by seven and a half. I actually initially had this so the the way that I do it. I I guess the lines before the game start, and then I adjust based on what I see today. I had this at eight and a half, and I I dropped it down to seven and a half because of barely beating Bailey Zappi. Um, it is on BetMGM. It is Packers minus seven and a half, minus 110 on both sides. So um, both you guys a little bit different than, than the line. Um, 
Brad, are you going to bet on this one? Yeah, I'll probably take the Packers seven and a half. <laughs> what about you, Ben? I mean, I, I I might as well just bet this with Brad then, I guess. I'll take the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can just go to Bro Throw and, and put some money on uh, – and an important caveat, I said it was at Packers. My apologies. It's in London. So we're, we're getting right. up early again next weekend. Thank the goodness. Are. But that is an important caveat. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, the thing that was so interesting to me, I guess, watching that Green Bay game is you obviously had Romeo Dobbs. I think he played he played pretty damn well in that game, but had that you know big drop um, at the end. There were a couple of opportunities for them to extend. And I almost feel like Bill Belichick gets uh, like a power up when he has a really shitty quarterback playing, <laughs> you know, it's a backup, whatever. Um, so there's a little bit of that at play. Um, but let's just say this, they, they do not look like a team, the Packers that are going to win by a massive number of points uh, in any way, shape or form. Even though I had the line dead on, I think if I were forced to pick one side of this, I would probably pick the Giants. And maybe the only thing that would keep me from that right now is that Daniel Jones got pretty banged up in that game and they had to roll with Saquon in the Wildcat. And uh, while that might have been their best offense against the Bears, I don't think that gets it done uh, against the Packers. Um, Detroit uh, is playing in New England. Lions, Patriots. It looks like um, Hoyer's in the concussion protocol. Who knows if he's able to make it back. It won't be Mac Jones, though. Um so it could be Bailey Zappi. Uh, I don't think BetMGM has a line on this, but I'm sure we can find one. So let's guess it anyways. Um, Brad, would you have this one? Yeah, so BetMGM does not have a line. Um, as you mentioned, Brian Hoyer in concussion protocol. Bailey Zappi, I thought he was okay. Um, I really think it was more the Patriots running the ball on uh, the NFL's least our worst run defense still in 2022. Somehow Green Bay cannot figure this out. They've allowed the worst EPA per rush uh, against so far this season. Long answer short, I had New England plus one and a half, but it's a lot to do with the quarterback. Fair. Yeah. Ben, what about you? I would say, yeah, I, I think the D- Detroit is way too public of a team right now. So I had it actually Detroit minus two and a half. Um, I had the... Where is this game here? Uh, I had New England minus one. And the reason I did, the reason I put New England minus one is I was thinking back to Jared Goff versus Bill Belichick and not feeling particularly great about um, <laughs> about the way that Jared Goff has played um, against Bill Belichick in the past. I, I, I guessed this initially thinking it would be Brian Hoyer. I actually don't really know if I care whether it's Brian Hoyer or Bailey Zappi at this point. Um, or honestly, Mac Jones. Mac Jones has played not very well. Detroit is just a team right now that I, I don't know if you can feel really good about them in any situation other than betting the over. Like It's really the only thing. They have no defense whatsoever. Um, so it's hard for me thinking that they're going to go on the road and, and Jared Goff's going to lead them to a convincing victory. Do you, ben, do you see a line anywhere for this game? Um, let me check here. I see minus 2.5, I think, um, for New England uh, oh. at our friends at DraftKings. Let me double check. That's actually – I'm looking at uh, look at a few odd screens, uh, a few different ones, kind of my – go-to for these sorts of things but yeah minus 24.5 from new england looks to be at least um consensus okay, wow. so brad you had um 
Lions getting a point and a half. So are you betting on the Lions? Yeah, the biggest discrepancy here. I probably am. I mean, they have, they've uh, the dead last in EPA per play allowed. Obviously, the defense has been terrible, but third and yards before contact. They've been running the ball like crazy. They obviously could get back. Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark, maybe DeAndre Swift for this game. Um, I would take them, I, even though Matt Patricia, you know, Matt Patricia revenge game against Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that that means. I, I think I'm kind of, uh, you know, with you there. I think the play here, though, for my money would be teasing this out, right. um, getting that that plus eight and a half if you're the Lions here. And even if they're down, um, you know, at the end of the game, they find a way to kind of backdoor it for you. So I think that's where I would go if I had to bet this. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't see Detroit losing by more than a touchdown here too often. I know it's going to be chaotic uh, in order for them to actually get there. But, yeah, I, I do really like uh, a teaser in this spot. There are, I think, you know, probably going to be some other options as well, just looking at my numbers. But, uh, yeah, I think the teaser is the correct play. If not, I'm totally fine taking uh, Detroit on the money line in this spot as well. Okay. Moving right along, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Um I thought that I was going to maybe be a little strong here, but I, I don't think that I will be. Um, Brad, what'd you have? Yeah, I had the Bills minus 14 here. Um, I mean, the Steelers are just awful. I think, again, Vegas kind of showed you what they think. They were minus three most of the week with the Zach Wilson returning for the game. I think they did close minus three and a half, but mm-hmm. um, nevertheless, made the quarterback switch, obviously, to Kenny Pickett. Uh, I thought it was funny. Minimum 10 attempts at quarterback. He has the highest yards per attempt. Uh, Kenny Pickett does now, and Trubisky is 38 out of 39 quarterbacks with 5.5 yards per attempt. So small sample size, kind of kidding. But um, nevertheless, either way, I think the Bills are going to blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers. Dan, what about you? I took I, I went minus 10.5 for Buffalo. I do think I was a little light. I thought there would maybe be uh, a little bit of an adjustment with Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. now being the starting quarterback. So I thought maybe that would uh, be a reason why – Pittsburgh would be a little bit short. And I think, you know, Mike Tomlin still seems to be somewhat priced into the betting market as being this kind of guy that can, you know, coach up his team uh, and especially some of these wider spreads. So I thought it'd be a little bit light. Uh, I definitely uh, do not want to be betting the the Steelers really at like plus 14 or anything like that. But uh, I, I basically made this number what I would really like to bet the Bills. And it's, it's just an unrealistic expectation, probably more than anything else. So. Yeah, I'm a little light too. I I had 12 and a half and gosh, I mean, Kenny Pickett can't be worse than Mitchell Trubisky, right? you know? So that was kind of my, my hypothesis there actually watching that, you know, he had a bunch of interceptions in that game, but they were trying to mount, uh, you know, a little bit of a comeback there at the end, um, need to throw the ball. It's hard for me to say that those interceptions make me feel poorly about his game because he completed uh, the other 10 passes that weren't intercepted. Um, and actually made some nice, yeah, exactly. Uh, made some nice throws, but this is minus 13 and a half trending in your direction though, Brad, because it's 13 and a half minus 115 to bet the bills side of that. Um, so this might get to, uh, to, to 14 before it comes down at all. So I guess the question really is for Ben and I, are we going to bet on Kenny Pickett and the freaking Steelers <laughs> in Buffalo? at 10 a.m. next Sunday. Ben, what about you? 
I'm not going to. I actually was trying to think about this because I know we had the whole, you know, Steelers betting fiasco thing. I don't think I've bet on the Steelers in like a year and a half, and I'm definitely not going to start here in week five. I'll say that much. So when was the last time you bet on the Steelers, George? Uh, There was one last spot last year. Unfortunately. So, yes, I'm well known for saying that they were the most overrated (laughs) team in the NFL when they were undefeated. And that 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 did very well. Unfortunately, I had them in the circa millions this week. Oh, really? Um, the hypothesis there was Zach Wilson coming back on the road against the Steelers. Like the chance of implosion was high. And little did I know that um, that motherfucker was going to come through. So uh, pun intended, um, which makes me a little gun shy here. Obviously, I would just say this rookie quarterback first start on the road against a team like the Buffalo Bills that is getting a little bit healthier. Right. And has played some tough teams of late, right? They've played both Baltimore on the road and Miami, both challenging games. They come home. It's about time for them to kind of get right. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm a little hesitant, um, a little hesitant here to bet this big of a number. So I'm actually going to stay away from this one, um, even though I do see, like, I, it does make sense. I think Tomlin being priced in, um, as a guy that's not going to get, you know, embarrassed here, but when you have rookie quarterback out there, and by the way, he hasn't made a, cl- a claim as to whether it's going to be Pickett or Trubisky, which I think is pretty funny. Um, so we'll see moving right along. We've got chargers Browns. This one is in Cleveland. Brad, what'd you have there? I had, let's see. LAC Clee. Where am I? I had Cleveland minus one. And I think I'm going to be wrong on this one. I think you're going to be wrong as well. Ben, what do you have? I got I got Chargers minus one, basically. I do think uh, the, the, the market expectation, obviously, there was a, a little bit of a question mark with their game against Texans this week. Uh, you know, Texans maybe made a little bit of a valiant effort there toward the end. But uh, I think I think the Chargers showed some things. It does look like Justin Herbert's a lot more healthy. Uh, and they're all, you know, for the most part, the guys that they are going to get back are kind of trending in the right direction. So I think, I think the Chargers will be slight favorites here on the road when it's all said and done. Yeah, I couldn't get it out to three, and I actually also wanted to teaser protect this one as my own fake sports book. Um, so I have it as one, uh, the Browns um, getting a point at home. And, you know, th- this there's a little bit of like the kind of zigzag theory of gambling here with the Chargers where they go out and they, you know, get blown out by the Jaguars. Oh, my God, you know, Jaguars are amazing. Then the Chargers go and they have this kind of get right game against the Texans, which, by the way, the Texans made kind of close there at the end. Um, but the the Texans are, I mean, they're not a good team. The Browns, however, uh, Arjun mentioned this during the show, actually, kind of, you know, can they really dominate up front? Chargers a little bit banged up there. No Joey Bosa, no Rashawn Slater. This is in Cleveland. And so um, at, at 10 a.m., so, you know, I kind of do like uh, the Browns here. So this one is Chargers minus a full three. Now, it is minus three, minus 105. So maybe this does get down down to two. I'll say that I think this is going to be the first one that I'm actually going to bet on. I would take Cleveland plus three. Jacoby Brissett has played really well. Um, I, the, the Cleveland offense is not, I think, nearly as bad as, as maybe it's being advertised to be. What about you guys? 
The Cleveland offense is good. The issue is their defense. I mean, their run defense got gashed again today. They're the third worst early down EPA per rush defense. They also allowed 70% success rate on dropbacks for Marcus Mariota today, the worst of anyone in week four. So, yeah, they can score. They just can't stop anyone. And then you mentioned Arjun talking about no Miles Garrett, no Jadavion Clowney. But they came into this season, I think the biggest weakness on Cleveland was their interior defensive line. And they've been getting gashed, had some injuries at linebacker. So, I don't know if I would bet it. I probably would bet it, seeing as I had the Browns favored. But maybe, maybe we're talking over because we like both offensive, you know, trench matchups for both offenses. Total yeah, and yeah. Half, by the way. I, I love, I love what Brad actually said there. I do think that uh, the the key for me, especially with the Browns defense, is, is Denzel Ward. I know he had an interception this week. I haven't looked at you know the entire uh, game that he had as far as you know coverage snaps perspective, but he's been pretty poor. And I do think if they don't have that guy kind of as like a shutdown cornerback. It does expose a lot of things uh, for the rest of that defense. So I'd be worried that, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's going to be able to take advantage of that Browns defense. So I would probably lean, you know, in the Chargers direction, but I don't want to lay, you know, a field goal differential basically on the road here in the spot. So it's it's probably an avoid for me, if anything else. All righty. Um, moving on. Let's do, uh, see here, what's next? Uh, oh, looking forward to this game. Bears. Vikings, Brad, would you make this one? Yeah, so Minnesota and New Orleans, pretty interesting. Neither elected to use the bye coming back from London, so that is definitely going to be a factor here, obviously. Um, I mean, the Vikings are just the classic Vikings. Uh, Kirk is our second highest grade on play action, is pretty pedestrian otherwise. Uh, their defense is 29th in pressure, pressure percentage right now, just cannot generate a pass rush. Um, all that long answer said, I, I had Minnesota minus seven in this game. Um, even with London being factored into the equation. Yeah, I would say uh, Vikings minus 6.5 is where I had the number at, and I don't think there's any chance that they actually cover that. Um, but we'll see. I don't really want to bet the Bears either, so this is just uh, this is just, <laughs> this is just a painful spot to talk about, I would say. So we'll see what happens. But what it, take us home, George, on this one. we got to forget this okay. game's even happening. I have – this is this is tough. I, I have Vikings minus 5.5. Um Part of this is me just wanting to fade the Minnesota Vikings. They won a game in London against a brutally banged up New Orleans Saints team. I mean, the Saints were a complete mash unit. Andy Dalton was the quarterback. Let's not forget Andy Dalton did once play for the Bears, uh, and it wasn't particularly pretty. I guess the thing that you know is obviously really challenging here is that the Bears' passing offense is a nightmare. And so – you know, they're not going to be able to expose uh, the Vikings here. But all of that said, like the Vikings, in just in my opinion, should not be favored by a full touchdown in this game, which is what it is. It is Minnesota minus seven here. They also are coming back, as you mentioned, from London. The Bears are not. So um, I'll just say this. I will take the Bears getting a full seven right now. Um and I will then hold my nose and cover my eyes and pray. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Oh, go ahead, Ben. <laughs> I definitely think the only side I would ever bet in this game is the Bears. Um, it's not going to be enjoyable, uh, but I do think seven is actually probably going to be uh, the best of the number here. So I do think if you're interested in getting some closing line value and stuff, uh, plus seven is, is, is a pretty reasonable play, I would say, at this point, given that price. So. 
Yeah, I also wouldn't bet it. I don't think either side. But yeah, you mentioned Dalton. He even wasn't terrible. The Saints had a muffed punt, another turnover in their own yeah. territory, and like seven penalties for like 90-something yards. I mean, they, they kept shooting themselves in the foot the entire game and still almost won the game, almost tied it up with the double doink from Will Lutz. So um, the one thing I would say for the Bears is they could probably run the ball like – I mean, Latavius Murray – Fresh off the practice squad, was running for eight yards a clip against the Vikings today. So maybe Khalil Herbert has a Khalil Herbert game. That's about all Chicago probably could do. Yeah. You, so the other thing that was really funny about the Minnesota Vikings is they had um, they they took advantage of two fumbles to the tune of six points. Right. Um, in right. was it the first half of that game, and it was just such a you know you thought about the way that Minnesota kind of dominated the game from the time of possession standpoint and like from the you know, defense standpoint, all that stuff. And they they could not extend on that team. Kevin O'Connell, I really like what he does offensively, but he's got that Sean McVay in him where it's like, I will kick field goals on fourth and short. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a good point. I, I that Famous last words, like the Bears here. By the way, Brad is, I think, um, fairly handily in the lead right now in terms of guessing, guessing the lines correctly. I don't know how. Yeah, I guess we just have to sum the difference up at the end. And yeah, mean square. That I was gonna say, yeah, fine, so. <laughs> yeah, definitely mean squared. Um, all right, Seahawks Saints. Speaking of the Saints, this is in New Orleans. Brad, would you have this one at? Yeah. So let's see here. I had New Orleans laying four. Uh, like I said, also coming back from London. Um, it's kind of a question because we don't know Jameis Winston, Michael Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of a question marks there. But yeah, I had them laying four. Yeah, I had a minus three basically for all those reasons. I do think that uh, the fact that those guys went and traveled, you know, to London or whatever and didn't actually end up playing, I do think at least speaks to the fact that they should be very close to playing this week. But uh, I I think at least early on in the week, we're going to see probably a little bit of a lower number in the Saints direction than what we'll probably finish out with, especially if we do get some positive, you know, injury news coming up later in the week. So give me Saints minus three. Uh, I don't actually know where this number is at either here. So, yeah, I wanted to make this. I wanted to make this three. I really did. Seattle fifth in EPA per pass play right now. The New Orleans Saints are twenty fourth. It's not. It's not particularly great. But Chris Olave starting to come together. They're going to get a little bit healthier. Um, they do still have some some talent on defense that you know the seattle seahawks just simply don't have but i I landed on four here it is four and a half uh right now minus 110 on both sides um so you know i i bet the seahawks this week this was one of the ones that we wrote up uh last week it was one of my circa millions picks i really do like the seahawks i mean they're playing really well um especially i mean not defensively i think they're the worst defense in epa per pass play allowed but Offensively, they have been really solid. Am I nervous about Geno Smith on the road in New Orleans? Absolutely. But then when you think about whether he's either playing a banged-up Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, uh, it makes me feel a heck of a lot better. So um, I do think I would grab uh, the four-and-a-half here, even though you're buying Seattle kind of at the top of the market. Um, I, I just I think New Orleans still has a bunch of question marks. I think they still miss Sean Payton quite a bit. What about you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, Gino has a top five passing grade for us against the Blitz in a clean pocket, on play action, and no play action, no screens. He's top five in all of those separately. But <laughs> what scares me is today there were 9 of 12 on third down. Average mm -hmm. net yardage mm -hmm. converted on those third downs was 8.8 .8 yards. So a lot of like way behind the chains and just kind of not, not fluky, but some big-time conversions. Um, and I think the weird stat for this game is, the Seahawks are 31st in pass or 30th in pass rush win rate, and the Saints are 31st, just not generating pressure. Um, maybe that bodes in favor of the Seahawks. Um, they, they, like the metrics look better, but I, I think that third down for me and just the Saints defense, what they did still against the Minnesota Vikings today, it could be just an ugly, ugly game, and they win, you know, by six or something. Yeah, I think it's going to be an ugly game, but I also think that kind of you know caters to Seattle, so I would definitely bet. Uh, uh, Seattle plus four and a half here. I do think they'll have at least some success with Rashad Penny. He broke a couple runs uh, against a really bad Detroit uh, front four, I would say, right now, especially against the run. So I like that. I would push back a little bit on the Seahawks not having any coverage players. I think Tariq Woolen uh, yeah. is kind of a playmaker right now, right? I think he's had two interceptions the last two games, had the had the return pick six uh, as well today. So uh, he's a guy I think he's you know kind of emerging as – uh, this Pete Carroll-esque sort of cornerback. And I think he's, you know, an ex exciting prospect for what they have in the secondary. So I like Seattle a little bit. Uh, they've been, you know, sneaky so far this year. So I'll ride him again here, plus four and a half. He, um, by the way, DK Metcalf came out and said that Jeff Okuda is a little overrated. And uh, DK Metcalf put up 100 on Jeff Okuda while needing to take a shit today, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was low-key one of the most incredible things that I saw. Uh, needing to get carted off, by the way, it means you really need to, you really need to go to the bathroom. Um, and is it's just, I mean, it's like one of those things where you look at DK Metcalf and you're like, this dude's superhuman. He could do anything. And that includes like destroying another top, you know, flight athlete while needing to go to the bathroom. Uh, absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, he gets Marshawn Lattimore um, this week. And Justin Jefferson, I mean, torched Marshawn Lattimore. It was one of the biggest mismatches that we had on the PFF app. Um, over six and a half receptions, an absolute lock. And I would expect uh, DK Metcalf to have some success um, there as well. We've seen Marshawn Lattimore struggle a little bit against you know Mike Evans um, in some situations. So um, yeah, anyways, I do like that one. All right, moving right along here. Next up, Dolphins Jets. Back in New York, Zach Wilson. Brad, would you add this or not? Yeah, so again, we don't necessarily know. I know the Dolphins get a long week, but maybe some question marks about Tua Tagovailoa. At the same time, how big I don't of think a downgrade on the There's spread no is Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, might not be that, that big of a downgrade. I had the Jets getting plus four and a half at home. Oh, wow. Ben, what about you? I had the Jets uh, plus two and a half at home, basically. I do. Uh, and that was, yeah, no, no Tua. Uh, but, I mean, I'm... Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is definitely like a cover machine, basically throughout his entire career. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to go too aggressively on the, in the opposite side, but we'll see. Um, I could be a little light on that one as well, but I, I like Zach Wilson. I kind of, I like the, I like the Jets this weekend against the Steelers. Uh, definitely came through, and I do think kind of mm -hmm. showed uh, you, you, the ability to kind of win some of those close games. So uh, we'll see where this one's actually at. Yeah, I guess the worry that i would have here so i have jets getting three at home i'm not that concerned about teddy bridgewater uh, in this game but i would be a little concerned about 
um, the the Dolphins defense a little bit more aggressive. Um, obviously, the, the Steelers don't have TJ Watt, so that that helps them out a little bit um, as well. Um, but yeah, in in this situation where I think the Dolphins are going to have a little more success, being able to put up some points with with Tyreek yeah. and Waddle, maybe a little more uh, hesitant on on Wilson. But that said, three, I think three is the right number, and um, I, I'm just staying away from this one. Um, Brad, you had four and a half though, so are you are you inclined here? I will bet this is my first bet in a while. Yes, I, I would bet this one. Um, Jets offensive line, third worst pressure percentage allowed. And today, Elijah Vera Tucker, their first rounder from last year, kicked out from right guard to left tackle yeah. for 44 snaps. Actually held up decently well. Uh, 66 pass block rate, only allowed three pressures. But they're down to their fifth tackle, who is actually their starting right guard. So that's how dire it is. And then Wilson, great fourth quarter, 11 of 13 for 128 yards and a touchdown. Um, was great on throws downfield, 10 plus yards, 8 of 12 for 170 yards. But Tied Justin Fields' uh, slowest time to throw, 3.4 second average time to throw. This Miami pass rush, Jalen Phillips, Melvin Ingram, all these guys, Emmanuel Ogba have been getting after the quarterback with ease. Christian Wilkins up the middle. Um, I, I would take Miami. Even if it's Teddy, I think I still take it. Um, yeah. Uh, I would like to know the status of Xavier and Howard before really locking in uh, the Jets, basically a plus three here. But if I got confirmation that he was out, um, we'll see if that actually happens. But I know he's dealing with the groin injury, mm-hmm. missed some snaps basically on Thursday night. So maybe the long rest will do him good. But uh, I, I do think he's at least somewhat key to uh, helping this Miami Dolphins secondary. So I'm I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. Might lock in uh, the Jets if they move off this three-point number, though. Titans Commanders, another exquisite game in the 10 o'clock slate here. Um, Brad, what would you have this one at? I tried not to overreact. I had Washington plus one and a half here. Try to keep it under a field goal. I mean, they're obviously awful. They're now dead last in EPA per play on offense and bottom 10 on defense. Carson Wentz is taking the most sacks in the NFL now at 17, and I think a lot of those are his fault. Yeah. All of that said, uh, yeah, try not to overreact to, to, to today's games. Thought it would stay under a field goal in Washington. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna overreact maybe to these games this weekend, but I like the Titans. They they came through for me. I think minus three point five is where I basically had the Titans at. Uh, the Commanders have been, you know, outside of Week One, I think one of if not the worst teams in football. Uh, did not show out whatsoever again today. So uh, I'm actively looking to fade them as much as I can coming up here. So uh, I would say Titans minus three point five. I didn't go. Uh, nearly as as uh, strong as you guys did, mostly because I just think the Titans are not very good either. Um, so this is less about the commanders and more about the fact that I just think both these teams kind of stink. But the question needs to be asked whether the commanders are going to, you know, give, is it Taylor Heineke? Is he still the backup in, in Washington? Like Wentz looks absolutely terrible. And to your point, Brad, just takes so many sacks and kills your drives. So that said, I had Washington favored in this game uh, by two and a half. It is not the case. Washington is a two and a half point underdog, and it looks like it is trending the other way. The Titans minus two and a half is minus 115. Um, So I am off there. Does this mean that I will bet uh, the Washington Commanders? I think it does. Um, I just, the Colts, guys, the Colts are terrible. The Colts suck. And so the Titans winning that game by seven just to me is not something that I'm going to overreact to. This one is in Washington. I will say this. I think this is like 
if Carson Wentz can't pull this together, then I think they've got to look elsewhere. But like Terry McLaurin has 15 receiving yards in this game. Um, the nicest throw that Carson Wentz made was to Trayvon Diggs. I mean, he threw a dime to Trayvon Diggs down the left sideline. Like Trayvon Diggs didn't even look at the receiver. He literally just ran a go route and Carson Wentz dropped it in his bread basket. So um, I think he's got to sort of figure it out in this game. Remember, Carson Wentz is absolutely god-awful when it matters. He was terrible in the revenge game against Philadelphia. Here's a game in Dallas against a divisional opponent. This game, eh, it's Tennessee Titans. So um, I will take them here. I would say this, given that it's two and a half, Ben, you mentioned this. I like this as a teaser leg, thinking about Detroit plus eight and a half and Washington plus eight and a half. Um, but what about you guys? Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm going with Tennessee here one more week. I've maybe I maybe have been more impressed than what uh, I should be at this point, but uh, I think the Raiders are the third best team in the AFC West, which is still saying something. Uh, kind of got off to a rocky start, but I do think their win today kind of impresses me a little bit for what Tennessee did to them two weeks ago. So uh, I like uh, I like the Titans, and I think anything before a field goal, I would definitely be laying it with them. So this is a this is a bet for me, maybe versus George. Uh, something like a steak dinner or something we can see here. So the steak dinner has been. I still have like 45 steak dinners from that little known fact. One of the reasons that Eric had to leave PFF was he couldn't <laughs> the steak dinners. Jeff Ruby's. He just had to escape it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, we've gotten some nice shout outs in uh, in the chat for our man Eric, who told me he's going to be listening tonight. Uh, and if he is, we love you. We miss you. And um, hopefully you're like, you know, still alive after that Chiefs victory. I can just see like Eric just laying on the couch, you know, drowning himself in champagne at the moment because um, they're, you know, clearly going to win the Super Bowl now. Um, let's go to uh, the next game, which is, and, and <laughs> talking about the AFC South, AFC South matchup of greatness. Davis Mills and the Houston Texans going to Jacksonville to play Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence fumbled. Uh, four times, lost all four of them and threw an interception against the Eagles, and they only lost that game by one possession, which was ridiculous. Um, Brad, what did you make the spread? Yeah, like I said, uh, Lawrence losing four fumbles, the first time that's happened in a century. Um, so cool to stat there. But he still has the fifth-best clean pocket passing grade for us, and their defense is still fifth in EPA, EPA per play allowed. Um, and they play Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, who I guess is bad, uh, and Jalen Hurts. Obviously, some bad weather. Long answer short, uh, I had the Jaguars laying a full touchdown in this game. Wow. Ben? Yeah, I was at I was at Jacksonville, basically minus 6.5. Uh, I, I do still think they are a good team. Uh, didn't obviously show it in the rain, like, like Brad said, basically today. But uh, I'm a little light, I think, on them basically right now. But I do think minus 6.5 makes a lot of sense given uh, the plucky nature that we've seen from Houston first few weeks of the season. Yeah, I'm with you, Ben. I could not, I could not make this a full seven. Um, it, you know, and, and I say that like watching Davis Mills can be really, really right. painful, especially on the road. It was interesting. I was talking to Darius Butler about this um, Eagles-Jaguars uh, game. And as I was preparing for it, I was looking at the Jaguars' defense. Like Their corners have been really solid. Um, Tyson Campbell, Shaq Griffin, both top 35 graded corners there. Josh Allen has been really fantastic uh, at edge um, rusher. He's a top 10 graded uh, pass rusher so far this year. So they've played well. Um, 
defensively. Houston today took advantage of a really long Damian Pierce run to kind of get themselves back into it. Uh, but they showed some fight. Um, and, you know, they played a team that kind of had to show up in, in the Los Angeles Chargers. They're going to be playing a team here in Jacksonville, again, that sort of has to kind of show up uh, in this game. So I don't love it. I think if I had to bet one side, I definitely would take Houston getting a full touchdown. This isn't one that I feel super strongly about, Ben. I don't know. You had six and a half as well. So I'm curious what you what you think about this. Yeah, I, I am kind of with you on that. I do think that um, we'll probably see the line move further out in Jacksonville's direction as we get later into the week. So I don't think I need to lock in seven and a half. Um seven basically right now because i do think seven and a half can easily be coming here uh and i don't really see it coming down to six and a half and i'd miss out on the bet entirely so i'm i'm probably taking a wait and see approach i think later on in the week uh what i don't mind doing is some sort of like teaser with uh hmm. jacksonville if they do get down or if they do get to that seven seven and a half range basically down to one uh and then maybe taking texans on the other side and trying to hit a middle or something like that uh that would maybe be the play that i could think of but i don't really want to take uh a, a naked houston right now i would say <laughs> um brad you nailed seven so i take it you're not betting either side of this game no i'm not touching either side um you know you mentioned how the jaguars may need to win but they're also coming off i think a ridiculously emotional game with doug peterson going back to philadelphia mm. um did a jersey swap after the game with jason kelsey with his pullover um but yeah i, I just you know beating the chargers out out west i think if they're franchise's first win in the pacific time zone i think i read that somewhere um then you come back you know go to your old coach's team i think they'll probably win but i could see it being by a field goal yeah that's very fair. All righty. We have uh, a couple more in this early slate here. Um, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. This is in Tampa. Ben, would you have this one up? Or sorry, Brad. I'm mixing up. I'm messing up the order. Messing up the order. Getting the feng shui all messed up. Brad, would you have this one up? Yeah, so I don't know if this one's out yet, but I, um, I figured Tampa Bay didn't look great tonight, but I still had a minus eight. Um, I know Atlanta won again today. Um you know, I, I just I think Tampa is getting healthy at the right time now. Mike Evans, obviously, two touchdowns tonight looked good. Uh, Donovan Smith came back and I think held up well against the Chiefs tonight. Atlanta has maybe the worst pass rush in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think they're going to uh, talk about a team that needs to win and win big. I think it's Tampa Bay minus eight uh, would be my guess. Yeah, I had Tampa Bay minus 10.5 for a lot of the reasons why uh, Brad just mentioned. Rebound spot, obviously, coming off of you know a primetime game kind of meltdown in a lot of situations. A uh, little concerned about you know the Chris Godwin injury situation was obviously good to see him back out there. So, uh, like Brad said, uh, they seem to be getting healthy at the right time. I do think you know the the the, the kickoff fumble recovery, obviously, uh, you know foreshadowed a completely different game than what they probably projected against the chiefs tonight. So uh, I think from that perspective, they're still a good team. They're one that I want to buy into. And I think, you know, minus 10 and a half uh, makes a lot of sense for this particular spread. I don't see this on BetMGM, but um, I'm seeing eight and a half out there. I had this at seven and a half. And it's interesting. I actually had this six and a half before the games kicked today. Atlanta did not, impress um even though you know they they were able to to cover that game and they're the only team in the nfl that is 4-0 against the spread thus far but marcus Mariota completed was like seven seven passes tampa bay today you know obviously fumbled the opening kickoff 
and that puts you behind the eight ball against Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had like three to four plays where 99% of the time another quarterback makes that and it turns into an interception. These all went right for them. Um, But their receivers being healthy make them a very, very good team. And the only thing that would make me a little nervous here is Tom Brady um, maybe being a little banged up. He was like grabbing his his right shoulder after he got sacked and fumbled, but came back and was throwing lasers. So um, even though I'm, I'm a little short here at seven and a half, I'm not yet ready uh, to bet Atlanta uh, in this spot. I actually like Tampa tease down uh, from eight and a half to two and a half through both seven and three. Um, as one of the, the things that I think I would like to, I would like to bet here. Um, you had this at 10 and a half though, Ben. So are you taking eight and a half? Um, I would probably strongly consider taking eight and a half, but I'm probably, I think I'm more in agreement with you that I think it's the perfect teaser leg, uh, down to one and a half basically. So if I have it at 10 and a half, uh, and I can tease it from, you know, through seven and three as well. I'm getting basically, you know, the three most important numbers that you possibly want there. So I think the teaser is the correct leg uh, with Detroit probably uh, right now would be my preferred play. And I think that's, you know, what I'm going to end up probably locking in here as soon as we're done with this podcast. Brad, what about you? Yeah, 100%. I, I will irresponsibly tease this game probably with two or three other games. Uh, you know, you, I just said Atlanta, only team in the NFL with zero drops for charting so far. Wow. They're fourth in explosive runs. The Buccaneers have a great run defense. I, I just don't think they win in the way that Tampa Bay plays well. You mentioned mm-hmm. their 4-0 ATS. Maybe there's, you know, a bit of a correction. Um, yeah, but, but, I, but I am afraid to lay over a touchdown. So I think I'll just tease it with Detroit for sure, maybe a couple other games as well. Yeah, they still can't figure out how to use Kyle Pitts, which is really weird and fairly concerning. Um, All right, San Francisco, Carolina. This is the afternoon slate. Afternoon slate, as it was this past week or this week, um, just three games. And uh, in this this slate, they're, I guess, equally as bad. But we start out with San Francisco going to play the disgusting Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule. My God, I don't know who's worse, him or, or Baker Mayfield. Brad, would you make this line? <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned earlier kind of how I was surprised that Vegas respected San Fran so much, then went to Denver, were favored. I'm trying not to overreact here. They're obviously playing on Monday and then going to Sunday. Carolina is awful, like you mentioned. I saw earlier today from Tom Pelissero. Matt Rule is now 1-26 in if the opponent scores at least 17 points against mm-hmm. them. So you score 17 on them, you're going to win the game pretty much. Uh, Baker, 6.3 yards per attempt is 32nd. 50.9 PFF passing grade on, on first review is 37th in the NFL. Um, that being said, I tried not to freak out. I went Carolina plus three and a half. Okay. Wow. I Carolina is so bad. Like they <laughs> like Arizona tried to give them that game today and they couldn't even take it still, right? Like I think mm-hmm. it was one of the worst performances of a team that I've seen at the National Football League level in quite some time. And it was it was bad. So I had this game. Uh, I had this one San Francisco minus seven, basically. So I, I feel like I got to be high there. But uh, I also think there's like an expectation of uh, the Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco angle, like Brad mentioned a little bit, kind of baked into the betting market already. And I think that's going to be uh, pretty pronounced in this match against Carolina as well. Yeah. By the way, shout out Dave Sofara, who dug up some pretty pretty good data points for this week. And one of my favorite ones is Baker Mayfield throwing deep 20 plus yards downfield. Today he was over three, one interception. I mean, it's like every time he drops back, you're like, look, if this dude wants to throw it deep, like may God be with you. Cause it, it's not going to be uh, particularly pretty. 
what's amazing to me is that Christian McCaffrey manages to still be a stud in an offense where you're just like, he's the only person that you're remotely worried about. Um, but man, I, I just wonder, Baker has looked so poor, so poor. And Darnold is over there on the bench. You know, I mean, I guess you saw what you had from him last year, but I, is it, can it be that, can it be worse than Baker? Do you put him in there just to mix it up a little bit? I feel like Matt Rule is going to have to try something because at the end of the day, you know, it's going to be, I think his ass on the line. I made this four and a half Panthers plus four and a half. Um, the only angle to this that I would bet would be San Francisco. <laughs> um, but here's the problem with San Francisco. No Trent Williams really concerns me. It's why um, I, I like the Rams. Um, on Monday night, I had the Rams in a teaser um, up to plus seven and a half. I, I just, without, w- without Trent Williams, I'm very concerned about that offense. So I would wait to see how that looks before, um, before I bet on this game. What about you guys? Any, um, any way that you bet this? I mean, Ben, you had this at seven, so you got to make a play here, right? Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to be on San Francisco. I do think you bring up a really good point though, as well, because I do like, uh, the Rams tomorrow, maybe we get down to like a four point spread mm-hmm. in this particular game. If San Francisco does look really bad, but if that does happen, I will still be buying into San Francisco. So the only question for me is, uh, am I betting this right now or am I betting it tomorrow at this time? Basically is the only real question I have left in my mind right now, but I will yeah. be on San Francisco at some point. Brad, are you grabbing that four and a half or what? I don't know if I love it. I, I, I mean, you mentioned the score. It could be the under. But yeah, Brian Burns has been great for the Panthers so far without Trent Williams. They also, I mean, the OL across the board, the center, Jake Brendel, the rookie, has been shaky. Um, it's a bit of a scary game. I just, This is even gambling analysis, but I have to throw in because you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, how he's the only weapon. If you haven't seen the video of a reporter asking DJ Moore, he goes, Matt Rule told us that it's not just Baker Mayfield. You guys also have to get open. DJ Moore's restraint and not saying anything is one of the more impressive feats of mm-hmm. uh, I've seen in a long time. He just kind of has this grin of like, you just gave me a $20 million signing bonus. I'm not going to air out the quarterback in week three. Um, but it was it was impressive from DJ Moore not to just kind of freak out. They got DJ Moore, by the way. Like you could tell they were like, all right, we got to get DJ the ball here. Like the guy's going to explode at some point <laughs> and just like tear us all apart. So we got to give him the ball. They got him, you know, a few targets in uh, in the game today. It was it's just so unimpressive. The thing about Carolina that I think, you know, they played a Cardinals team that was one of the most anemic offenses on planet Earth and also was just totally, you know, a disaster when it came to the defensive side of the ball as well. And so for the, the Panthers at home to be that bad really says something. Um, because the the Cardinals, who we're going to talk about here in a second, um, have not been impressive either. Philly, Arizona. This one's in Phoenix. Um, Brad, would you make this one? Yeah, I had Arizona getting four and a half here. Um, you mentioned how bad Arizona was. They really were not only just on the field, but also Cliff Kingsbury. I want to say they had like a second and goal from outside the ten yard line. He called a QB draw to Kyler Murray for two yards. Mm-hmm. Like just, just the most bizarre play calling you've you've seen in a long time. Um, they're just not a good football team, uh, really at all. So, anyways, yeah, I had Philly getting four or Philly laying four and a half at Arizona. Yeah, I had Philly six and a half, basically, for all the reasons that Brad just said. I mean, Arizona's a bad football team, but the other side of it is Philadelphia looks like I was 
I was I, I kind of liked Jacksonville, uh, especially given like the weather considerations and everything else this weekend. And Philadelphia took care of business once again, so I'm not really inclined to uh, try to try to fade them uh, until I maybe see a slip up. But until then, uh, I would definitely be uh, on the bullish side from the Philadelphia Eagles perspective. Yes, I'm seeing this at five and a half uh, in some places, six um, already. I had this at three and a half. And maybe I'm missing something. I just, you know, Arizona playing at home um, and Philly making the, the trip. Am I sold on Philly yet? I, Philly, I think, is a, is a really, really good team. But I don't know that there are any amazing teams this year. I thought Jalen Hurts, for the first time, he had the number one PFF uh, passing grade in the NFL coming into this game. But it was it was not as good of a performance today as it had been in the past. Um, and you, Arizona, you know, in order to keep pace in any way, shape, or form in that division, they have to kind of start giving it their all here. So I had this at three and a half. I, given that I'm a little bit short, it's five and a half, six. I guess I would be inclined to bet Arizona at that number. Um, but I, the idea of sitting there at, at 1.30 p.m. having to root for Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury makes me want to just not even go through a Sunday of NFL football. So um, I think that's the right side. Um, although I'm interested, Ben, you had this all the way across uh, six at six and a half. So would you would you take Philly here? I would probably strongly consider Philly. I know it's five and a half. So, you know, the six definitely matters uh, from that perspective. So, yeah, I, I, I would actually take it. I'm probably, I guess I'm more of a believer in Philadelphia than what you are right now. I thought maybe their one questionable spot headed into the season was Jalen Hurts. I think he's greatly exceeded everyone's expectations so far uh, and not really had to do it with his rushing ability has been really good from a downfield passing perspective. So I, I don't see anything that's stopping him. So yeah, I would definitely take uh, Philadelphia five and a half going into the desert. But you read. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't bet either side. Obviously I had Arizona getting fewer points. So this kind of sounds bizarre. I'm about to say, but uh, like, I think Philly is a significantly better football team. I also think they match up very well. Something that intrigued me about them coming into the year was they kind of took a, uh, like, throw a bunch of resources at, at the pass rush and not invest in one player, and it's paying off so far. And I think it's a terrible matchup for Arizona where they can kind of have Kyler know to run one way and avoid a certain pass rusher if it's one guy. Um, right now, the, the Eagles are top 10 in pass rush win rate. They're second in sacks. And then... Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Josh Sweat, and Hassan Reddick all have nine-plus pressures, at least two-and-a-half sacks. It doesn't include Javon Hargrave. doesn't include you know all these guys they have. And I think just them throwing bodies at Kyler Murray from every which way um, I think is just a terrible uh, matchup for Arizona. Long answer short, though, I, I don't think I'm betting it either way. It is. I feel like there's not – you look at the Arizona Cardinals and their team stinks top right. to bottom – there's not really a good matchup for them, right? I guess just maybe maybe they'll Fair. play the, the Lions at some point. The Lions are the only team that are a good matchup for every Panthers. For everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Panthers, that's a good point. Um, Dallas and Los Angeles, the Rams in Los Angeles. Brad, would you make this? Yeah, so I put a star on this one. I, I think Dak Prescott really could play, but I'm going to guess this line, guessing he's not going to play. So I had the mm -hmm. Rams length six and a half against Cooper Rush. 
Yeah, I, and I went the opposite way as Brad. I do think that we're probably going to see Dak Prescott at least be available on uh, this particular one. So I went uh, the Rams minus three and a half. Well, here's an interesting question. I, I think it makes sense that that Dak rushes himself back, uh, pun intended. I mean, the the Dallas Cowboys have looked decent. It's not as if Cooper Rush has played to Dak Prescott levels of goodness, but he and and C.D. Lamb are on the same page. Noah Brown all of a sudden is showing up. Michael Gallup showed up today. Um, it, it's not as if they have beaten the most impressive of teams here. The Rams will be by far um, the best team that they have played since Cooper Rush uh, took over here. And I'm not suggesting that they should consider benching Dak Prescott here. Uh, so I could see him making a return. And if he does, I would be a little nervous because I think he might be coming back a little early. I made this Rams minus four and a half. My assumption as well is that is that Dak comes back. Um, and, you know, if so, might be a little a little rusty here. I am seeing, I think it, it, it looks like there's some places that don't have a lineup because of that. What I'm seeing is Rams minus six. So that would lead me to believe that people think that it'll be Cooper Rush once again. And maybe Dallas feels they can leave rush in because he's had success and they don't want to rush, you know, Dak back after they've won three straight. Um, but I made this, uh, I made this Rams minus four and a half. It's Cooper rush and it's, I'm getting six. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I could pull the trigger on it. Cause I'm not going to buy Cooper rush at the top of the market at the end of the day. Yeah. Maybe I'll make you feel better with this, even though it is buying literally buying at the peak, but he is our highest grade on play action. And then he's top five against the blitz and top five in intermediate throws, 10 to 19 yards downfield. The, the uh, Cowboys have the fourth most explosive, explosive receptions. I, I mean, he Cooper rush is cooking, man. He absolutely, he is. He really, really is. I, and you know, the Rams have not been, they have not been particularly solid. Uh, you look at, you know, their passing offense, for example, and just their EPA per pass play. And and it wasn't as if they were burning the, the place down last year, but they're below average passing offense right now, negative EPA per pass play. A lot of that has to do with Matt Stafford just, just kind of throwing the ball up for grabs here and there. Um, but I don't, I'm not worried about like, for example, the Dallas Cowboys being able to stop, you know, Cooper Cup in, in any way shape or form whereas on the other side i do think that the cowboys could make it or, or the uh, rams could make it a little tricky on um on the cowboys by putting you know jalen ramsey on on cd lamb for example so um at six i think if i have to choose one side I, I will take the the cowboys but it's not one of my favorite my favorite bets out there is that pass rush against a bad Rams offensive line? So maybe not Stafford, yeah. but second in yeah. pass rush win rate and second in pressure percentage. Obviously, getting guys from all over the place to contribute. Maybe that's how they win. Just kind of not letting Stafford have any time back there. Yeah, it's a really good point. And he is not—he's you know, just not looked like himself. I guess maybe he's the elbow or something like that. But um, yeah, it's a really good point. You know, the Rams offensive line—they're missing Whitworth a little bit. Um, has not been nearly as solid, and the Cowboys have been dominant. I mean, they're the most sacks in the league, I believe. So um, it's a really good point. Uh, Sunday night, Bengals, Ravens in Baltimore. Brad, what would you make this? So I had Baltimore just under a field goal. I had Baltimore minus two and a half. Um, 
maybe an overreaction to today's result for Baltimore, but since he obviously getting the extra rest, playing some better football, and still just with Baltimore on, you know, their fourth tackle, Daniel Falele, who actually held up decently against Buffalo, I thought he was going to give up like 10 sacks today. Um, but yeah, so I, I think since he low scoring game enough of these kind of shootouts with Baltimore, I think it's going to be more, one of those classic divisional mid forties total. Um, I had Baltimore laying two and a half. Yeah, I, I was pretty close to Brad on this one. I do, I do have uh, Baltimore basically minus two. Uh, I have been higher on the Bengals. I would say all, uh, this season, especially, but even in the last season as well. So we'll see. I might be overreacting to their Thursday night win uh, a little bit too much, but uh, I still don't think Baltimore uh, has what it takes in the secondary to really slow down T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. I do think that, you know, Marcus Peters getting old, Martin Humphrey, kind of a shell of his former self, have allowed a lot of big chunk type plays. And I think we're going to see at least one or two of those hit uh, for Cincinnati on Sunday night. So I take the Bengals minus two. I have Baltimore favored by three in this game. I felt pretty strongly that it should not be either side of this. I think if you had to go either side of three, you'd go two and a half here. Um, but uh, no, I, I, you know, these are the two best teams in the division, two best quarterbacks in the division. Um, the, the Baltimore Ravens have home field advantage and a little bit of a coaching advantage, uh, but they also have the weapons advantage. So um, I thought three was the right number. It's three and a half. And I, I like the Bengals here. You know, I think they got off to a, really a disappointing start. But if you're going to give me the hook with the Bengals, I, look, I, I get that Baltimore, you know, just is coming off a loss and all that stuff. And, you know, they want to rebound, second home game, yada, yada, yada. But the Bengals are also well rested. Um, and it's not as if they are just coasting and, and riding on their laurels, right? They have got to make up some ground given the way that they opened the, the season, especially with that loss to Pittsburgh. So um, I, I like this being a close game. And uh, if a loss by a field goal gives me a cover, I will take it. So I will take uh, Bengals getting three here. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm definitely, go ahead, I'm definitely taking the Bengals too as well. I mean, a plus three and a half, I, I, I would bet that right now. Um, you know, I think like the most or second most difficult schedule coming up here, according to PFS power ratings page. Uh, so the Bengals don't really have the luxury uh, of dropping any more games. I do think this is going to be a very winnable one for, for them at the end. Uh, and I think they take care of business here. So I think Bengals plus three and a half, probably on the money line as well, uh, if that's an option here. Uh, but yeah, I think they're gonna. I think we're gonna see a pretty vintage Cincinnati performance. Uh, I'll take it for the social. I really hate it. The, we're betting on the Ravens to lose three games in a row. Um, but I, how can I avoid a social? We're we're all taking the same place. Mm-hmm. So why not? Yeah, you have to get on board with that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just it just means it's too many points. Gonna, it's too many yeah, points. it's gonna end poorly. It's gonna end poorly for us somehow, <laughs> some way, shape, or form. Um, okay, Monday night. The Vegas Raiders go to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Brad, would you make this? I had Chiefs minus seven in this one. Um, and if it is that, I would probably bet the Chiefs right away. Yes, they just came off a big game against Tampa Bay, but I'm still not a huge Raiders believer. I don't think they're, you know, one of the worst teams in the NFL, but, um, you know, kind of eked one out today. Still could have could have lost that game against Denver, no question. Um, and, and you know the Chiefs obviously just kind of own the Raiders in, in recent history. 
Yeah, I, I went Kansas City minus 8.5, maybe baked in uh, their performance tonight against Tampa Bay a little bit too much there. But, uh, you know, they looked like absolute world beaters. I do think this was, the, you know, the best version of Kansas City we've seen in quite some time. Uh, obviously could have a little bit of a letdown, but uh, I don't think it's going to come, uh, you know, against a divisional opponent at home uh, with a little bit longer of a rest rest situation factored in. So I, I like Chiefs minus 8.5. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how, what uh, the number would need to be in order for me to bet on the Las Vegas Raiders in this matchup. It is uh, Chiefs minus six and a half. I had it originally five and a half and then watched Kansas City kind of put it together a little bit tonight, I thought, um, against Tampa Bay. So I bumped that up to six and a half, which is where it appears to be. My guess is if this is going to move in one direction, it's going to move towards um, – towards kansas city so if you're looking to bet the chiefs like my take would be to go ahead and bet it now and so i take it ben that means that you are going to take the chiefs six and a half yeah i got a lot i got a lot of bet bets on my card here already which maybe <laughs> i don't know I, I, the the degenness came through i guess for us here early on but yeah i i'm taking this one as well uh i could be buying them at the top but uh it definitely wouldn't be the first time i've done that with the chiefs so i guess i'm ready to ride it for one more week what about you brad yeah, I'm taking this one as well. Um, yeah, Ben, you got eight plays on the board. This is my fourth, so I'm or no, my fifth, fifth. Okay, so I'm, I'm catching up. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this is a no-brainer play. Uh, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but they're just a better football team. Their defense, Kansas City's, that is, um, is better now. And we, we saw some shootouts with the Raiders in years past, and that's kind of how kind of those high-variance games was how the Raiders stayed in some of these games. I think there's a less likelihood of that happening because KC can't hold up to a degree. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm betting it before it gets to a touchdown for sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I have a really hard time taking Derek Carr, given what we've seen uh, from him thus far, um, and I'm not overreacting to a win against uh, the Denver Broncos. So I'm staying away from this one. Before we get out of here, um, we're going to talk about the, the bets that we like the most, um, and we'll write those up, and you'll see them on PFF. Dot com when you wake up in the morning or if you're listening to this already on a Monday, you can go check out uh, what those are before I do that, though. Fantasy football has already started, but underdog fantasy makes it possible for you to continue to get into the action all the way through the season with their pick'em game. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog fantasy app. Use promo code PFF and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. It's really easy to play. All you have to do is guess higher or lower on a stat for a particular player and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile app i can attest it is easy to use you pick between two and five players for your pick entry get all your picks right and you'll take home some serious hard cold cash so go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app use promo code pff and get yourself rocked up to uh even if your fantasy team is out already you can still enjoy it yourself and make a little bit of cash all right uh we'll start with you ben um what are the the few bets that i think right now or, or that you think right now make the most sense to bet yeah uh we just talked about this one but i do think cincinnati uh obviously key number uh right around three they're at plus three and a half could easily see that slip down uh two plus three so i think getting the closing line value everything else that associates with plus three and a half. I do, I do see that minus 120 at, uh, you know, some of the books that I'm looking at. So uh, it seems to be heading in that direction. So I do think it's probably the best play you can make uh, in week five right now. 
Any others? Any uh, or is that the only one that you really? Like? I mean, I I do like San Francisco, but I'm a little bit worried now if I'm uh, if I'm going against uh, your recommendation for them because <laughs> um, I I feel like maybe I don't see them as clearly as uh, you do in that case. But uh, I think San Francisco makes a lot of sense, uh, and then yeah, the, the Tennessee play I think is also. Uh, just a, maybe too obvious for me, but I don't know. I think it's, it, I just can't trust Carson Wentz at this point in time. So uh, I know Ryan Tannehill maybe isn't like the, the, the greatest step up from Carson Wentz, but he is at least a step up from. So I'll take, I'll take, you know, the, the, the road, the road favorite basically in that matchup as well. Brad, what about you? Just real quick on Tannehill, early downs uh, within one score, he's our highest graded quarterback and averaging oh, 11 no. yards per attempt. So if that, if that helps oh, persuade no. you at all, Ben. Um, but, yeah, for me, I, I think Green Bay. Uh, I, I know they obviously just went to overtime against Bailey Zappi, but I think it's kind of the same trap we fell for with them. And then they were, what, minus 10 against the Bears, and they covered handily. Um, where, you know, they just maybe didn't show up for a game. But now they're going to London. I think it's a big deal. You know, Rogers wants to be the new king in London, I heard. He's trying to you know, vouch for the crown. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, no, I just think it's uh, they're getting healthier and the Giants are getting less healthy. I think Jair Alexander maybe returns for the Packers in that game. I think he was close to playing this game and kind of stayed out for maybe this game. Um, and, yeah, Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor both get hurt. Uh, don't really know what's going on there. A little bit worried about Saquon Barkley running roughshod over them, but I, I think they cover seven and a half. I'm going to go with Cincinnati as well at three. Um, like that one quite a bit. And then, you know, I thought there are a couple of teasers that that made some sense here. Um, we talked about uh, these different legs here, but Detroit out to eight and a half in New England. Um, Tampa Bay down to two and a half at home against Atlanta um, was another one. Uh, Tennessee, Washington, Washington out to eight and a half. I think obviously with Carson Wentz sucking, that is a little terrifying, but, um, remember Tennessee, despite what Brad just said, they still, they still stink. Um, so some teaser options there. I think another, um, game just on its uh, own that I would call out Chicago, Minnesota, Minnesota, seven point favorite that game today in London, um, uh, it was fluky uh, as, as fluky gets. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting one. Um, but we'll write these up. We will uh, align on our favorites. You can check them out. We thank you all for hanging out, members of the printing press. Um, on the first edition of the Forecast 2.0, we'll continue to tweak some things and get some feedback from you guys and see where we can improve and make this a really fun and engaging football conversation. We'll be back, keeping the same schedule on Wednesday night. We'll have a uh, different set a uh, different crew, maybe some familiar faces. You never know. You'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday night if you hung out with us live. If not, have a great Monday. Peace.